When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When something happens to your car, you might say... But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Connections. I'm Eva Longoria. Today, we are going to talk about connecting to our emotions, but specifically the difficult ones. And we're going to explore the idea of emotional resilience and the connection with your negative emotions has a lot to do with that resilience and that stamina, if you will, of getting knocked down in life. But, you know, we've done an episode on happiness with Dr. Lori Santos, but what about the other side of that? Anxiety, fear, sadness. And so I think sometimes these emotions can be really difficult and can feel counterintuitive to try to connect with them. But I think when we're faced with challenges, being in touch with these emotions can really build our resilience to get through these tough times. So I'm really excited to introduce Dr. BJ Miller to the show. He's one of the founders of Metal Health. It's an online palliative care service that focuses on caring for the whole person, especially their emotions and inner resilience. He's also given a beautiful TED Talk, which I have seen, about facing the end of life and his own near-death experience. So I, I couldn't think of a better person to talk about this with. So welcome to the show, BJ. 
Thank you, Eva. It's so nice to be here. Thank you very much. Now, tell me what, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, because I saw your TED Talk. Did that come once you were already deep into this online care service, or did you do the TED Talk and then it blew up into this like need for people to really learn some coping skills? Well, the TED Talk was recorded in 2015. And at that time, I was the director of the Zen Hospice Project, very much a, an analog, a place, not a digital thing, a, a real fleshy place that you come and get care. And so digital health, per se, this whole online thing was happening, but it wasn't part of my world. But after the TED Talk took off, then I started doing a lot more sort of public engagement for a number of reasons. But then it was the pandemic that really lit up the online work. And that's when Sonia, my business partner, and I decided to respond to the pandemic with mental health and make this kind of care as accessible as we could possibly make it. And um, can you explain, because I don't even know if I'm quite sure what palliative care means. Oh, thank you, Eva. Am I even saying it right? I feel like I'm probably... You are. I mean, some people will say, you might hear some people say palliative, more av or an a, but palliative, <laughs> palliative, you're on it. You got okay. it. Okay. <laughs> and thank you so much for asking about that. Palliative care is poorly understood. A lot of people may have heard of it, but anyway, so I'm really glad you asked that question. Bottom line is palliative care is essentially, is a, it's a relatively new medical subspecialty. Since 2006, it's been called hospice and palliative medicine. And we grew out of hospice, which came to these shores in the 70s and 80s. Um, but this kind of care where you're not trying to fix someone, you're trying to accompany them. You're trying to tend to their emotional lives, their spiritual lives. You're trying to be with them, witness them, reflect with them. That's what hospice has been about, that kind of loving support at the end of life, in the final months of life. But a lot of people who did this early hospice work in the 80s said, you know, why are we waiting till people are dying? Why, mm. why, why wait till you're dying to actually speak openly and honestly about your fears around telling people you love them, around feeling as well as you can possibly feel, about questioning meaning in your life. You know, all the, why do we wait till the very end to do these very rich things? So in the 90s, that work, we tried to kind of move upstream from just end of life stuff. And this field of palliative care was born. Hospice now is a subset of palliative care, this sort of interdisciplinary quality of life kind of work. But palliative care writ large, you don't have to be dying to get it. A lot of the people I tend to, I've been seeing for many years, a dozen years. What is your typical patient? Like, how would I know if I need your services? Well, if you're dealing with some sort of serious illness, you know, and serious illness, that could be just about anything, but some life-altering illness. In other words, you wouldn't call a palliative care team if you broke your arm. If you got a diagnosis that was going to be really hard to cure or was never going to be cured, like more and more of us live with chronic illness. Can't cure it, but you can learn to live with it. So within the context of serious illness, you'd reach out for palliative care if you are suffering more than you need to, basically. You know, I tend to people's suffering like my other medical colleagues tend to people's diseases. Mm -hmm. That's a really important difference. My job is to help people realize their highest quality of life, not necessarily maximize the number of minutes on their planet. It's more about how do you enjoy your life? How do you dig into your life? How do you feel it? How do you make meaning with your life? That's the work of wow. palliative care. So you might reach out if you had pain or nausea or anything related to physical symptoms, you might benefit from palliative care. The medical piece we do tend to see 
symptoms. But otherwise, if you're struggling, like, who am I now? Like, I was Eva before, and now I have this diagnosis, and I feel different. I'm changed. Mm. I don't, how do mm -hmm. I roll with this? These kinds of existential questions, these are the things that people reach out to us for. Or family members are burning out trying to be a caregiver at home. Yeah. A lot of people, like maybe 60% of our clients are actually the caregivers who reach out. Oh, really? That's a majority. Wow. Yeah. 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 And very often we love that work. So we'll start with the caregiver and then very often they'll bring their person into a visit with us too. And then we start attending to mm -hmm. the whole crew, the whole family. How much do you think, or is there scientific data behind how much their emotions affect their physical pain, mm. suffering? Whoa. Mightily, right. hugely. You know, I can't, yeah. I, I couldn't quote data, like research per se. Right, right. But everything in my 20 years of practicing, whatever it is, tells me, and in my own life, tells me that, boy, our emotions, of course, follow the experience, but are also our emotions lead the experience too. And so one way and another, we are emotional beings. And as messy as that is, it's also fascinating. It's where so much the action is. You can try to avoid those things, but in some ways you'd be avoiding life. Right, right. So I want to back up in case people don't know your story. How old were you when you had this near-death experience? I was 19. Yeah, you, college, right? Yeah. Yeah, sophomore year. Yeah. So you were a young, young kid. Did, mm. this is a dumb question, did that dictate you going into this field? Did you discover this because you needed it? Or did you go, oh, wow, this is like, mm. um, I mean, I guess a near-death experience reveals a lot. Mm. So why don't you tell our audience about that experience and what happened after? Yeah. Well, I had never even heard. Palliative care did exist. So this was the year 1990 when I got injured. So uh, palliative care did exist in some corner of the world. I hadn't heard of it. So for your listeners, so yeah, I was a sophomore in college. I had screwed around on a commuter train and came into contact with the electrical current and got electrical burns that brought me close to death, but ultimately survived. Just lost a couple legs below the knee and my left arm below the elbow. So that was my sort of introduction to death. That was like, whoa, okay, I am not in control here. It was my phrase for it is the cosmic spanking. It was my cosmic <laughs> spanking moment. <That's> <laughs> so it really <laughs> shook me in all sorts of ways and definitely led me into medicine. I had not been interested in healthcare or medicine before I became oh, okay. a patient. So mm. it definitely turned me on to, to medicine and the healthcare world, but not palliative care specifically. It wasn't until deep into my training that I even heard of palliative care, let alone decided to pursue it. So mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. came a little later. Isn't that interesting, though, because I was talking to my chiropractor mm -hmm. about medical care and how, you know, the spine and the spine so important, but they don't really, like when the medical association was formed, they actually kept chiropractors out because they were like, what you're doing is kooky. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like this would fall under kooky. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, yes. you're, you're going to take care of their emotions. Come on, let's yeah. get medicine. Let's get prescriptions. You're right about that. Palliative care is something. It's sort of an awkward cousin within healthcare. And again, it was only 2006 that it became an official subspecialty. Hospice had been around this mode of care, because honestly, it wasn't only in the 20th century where we really started thinking that we could cure so much. 
You know, the idea of people living with things that they couldn't fix, they couldn't cure, that's a relatively modern phenomenon. Medicine's done a really good job of helping people like myself survive things that would have killed us earlier, but we're not fixed. In other words, they can't help me grow my legs back, but I can keep living with this situation. And same with a lot of chronic illnesses. Now medicine's advanced so you can survive all sorts of things and live with multiple diagnoses that used to kill you. But now we've created this whole population of people like myself who are somewhere between living and dying. You know, and we've got a lot more living to do. We've got years to do. We can't just sort of sit around and wait to die. So mm-hmm. it's opened up this segment of the population that has a different kind of relationship to illness and death. And therefore, medicine in its sort of reductive way, you can't get away with just trying to tend to the body. The emotions are going to keep coming into play. Like even if I, like a lot of my colleagues in palliative care, really do focus on symptom management. We love our prescription pad too. We write prescriptions for pain meds. So we do do the hard science stuff too in palliative care. But in some ways, we do that quote unquote hard science prescription pad stuff to turn down the noise of pain or turn down the noise of nausea or breathlessness so that we can get to the juicy stuff that once you're out of acute crisis, once you can breathe again, once you can feel anything but pain, well, then our work really begins because then we can dig into the emotions, the meaning, Mm. the psychology. We can plumb the depths together and work with this thing, this diagnosis, and help you accommodate it and live with it, even triumph with it. That's where the real action is. And you're right, that kind of work has really kind of been left out of the medical purview. Hence, this is why this field had to come into existence. I mean, if medicine were always tending to our emotional lives, our psychology, our mental uh, wellness as well, then we wouldn't need this little subspecialty called palliative care. But the truth is medicine chose to be really much more physical in nature and it's created opportunities for my field to come along and tend to the rest. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations, como la playa que viste en ese show, or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door! Winning! No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente. Una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar 20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. The goal of your care is to build emotional resilience, right? How do you define emotional resilience, I guess, is the first question. That's a good question. I mean, so our so resilience, our ability to, you might say, bounce back from an illness or a trauma or something that pulled you what feels like off course. You know, something comes along and changes the way you see life or changes the way you fit into life, changes the way you are in the world. Something comes along and, like, like I said, that cosmic spanking knocks you down, changes your worldview in an instant. So resiliency, emotional resiliency, would be finding a way to roll with those changes, accommodate those changes, make them part of your life. And so I would say bounce back, but bounce back is a little bit of a misnomer. It may not even be back, like bounce forward, a new bounce, find some right. new zone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This idea of going rehab, I, I never liked this sort of kind of return to normal thing. Yes. Most of us know when some shit goes down, you ain't going back. No. It's not, I mean, no, no, you got to learn to live with this new piece of reality. That's your work, not to pretend yeah. it didn't happen. And right. so resiliency is not bouncing back, I'd say, but it is bouncing. It's coming to life, mm. something along those lines, thriving by something that otherwise might take you down, finding a way to thrive nonetheless. Yeah. Well, that's the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast was... Coming out of COVID, everybody kept saying, I just want things to go back to normal. And I was like, oh my God, I don't. I learned so many lessons during COVID. And so th it's interesting that you say that because I was that's one of the questions was like, we want to bounce back, but do we really want to bounce back? Like, do we want to go back to the way it was? It feels like you're going to give people tools to navigate their life even better than before. Right on. Amen. The way humans are wired, I mean, we're sort of relative beasts. 
we know joy because we know sorrow on some level, you know, and it's funny, I, I kind of end up feeling sorry for folks who had nothing ever go wrong in their lives, nothing to make you challenge the way you're looking at things and to kind of revisit and be curious about things you don't understand. You know, in some ways, some of the most fascinating people, but also the happiest people are folks who have really been through some stuff. Those things seem related. It's not like, well, they found happiness despite all that hardship. No, I think actually that happiness in some ways is related to that hardship. Good news is we don't have to invent hardship for ourselves if we're paying attention. It's all over the place. There's all sorts of ways our lives might be not quite what we'd want if we could command them. There's all sorts of proof that we're not in control all the time, but you got to kind of pay attention or have some excuse to pay attention, whether that's a pandemic or some amputations or whatever it is. But back to your point, Eva, I'm so grateful to you. This is exactly the point here is, no, 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 we ain't going back here. Our lives, whether by force or by choice, something just pried our eyes open, pried our ears open. Let's work with that. Let's work with this new, bigger thing, this mm -hmm. bigger idea of reality, this idea of reality that includes sorrow and grief and all sorts of hard stuff. It's way more mm -hmm. interesting, too. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a son. I have a little boy. He's four. And we ask each other, us moms, what's your biggest fear? And sometimes they go, oh, well, my fear is he's going to have his heart broken. But I go, oh, that, well, that means he fell in love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh my God, I hope he gets his heart broken 10 times. Like, I hope he gives his heart so yeah. that it can be broken. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, one of my goals in life is sort of, a, I feel like a tangent real quick, but walk with me for a second here mm -hmm. is like, mm -hmm. I am very good at appreciating something that I've just lost you know, or I'm about to lose. When I realize I could lose it, that's when I really appreciate it. So in some ways, my goal in life for myself and professionally, why kind of remind each other of our mortality, why remind each other of things, of the sort of preciousness of time is so that we can appreciate it while we have it. I've been around so many folks on their deathbeds who that's the moment they go, holy shit, life's amazing. I just didn't lift my head up and look at it or whatever it is, you know. So my hope for myself in the world is that we learn to appreciate appreciate what we have while we still have it. I think that's really the key here. So how do we do that? Well, I mean, I think if we're paying attention to our own lives, it's filled with little losses. It doesn't have to be dramatic. I like mm -hmm. to think of Sundays. Like, I feel a little grief on Sundays. It's like, oh, the weekend. It's like Sunday morning. I can already know it's Sunday. Monday's tomorrow. I start talking to myself. I start girding myself. And I start mourning the loss of the weekend a little bit. I mean, and this is a teeny little example. But I'm just saying, these are ways we can practice it. Things that we wish were otherwise that aren't. They're all over the place. So you can kind of pay attention to life that way. Or you can walk down the street and see leaves falling from a tree and realize those are dead, dying leaves, you know, with autumn coming, this death all over the place. Or bugs on your windshield. Or the loss of an idea or loss of a relationship. These are little deaths. These are little things that if you let them, you can pay attention to them. They can teach you. They can trim your sails just as effectively as, you know, electrical current and amputations can, just a little more subtly. So that's that's one way is to pay attention to our lives in a different way. And then the last thing I'll say on this, Eva, would be through empathy. You know, mm -hmm. I am relatively a very fortunate person by many definitions of that word. But thanks to empathy, I can be in touch with the feelings of others. I can put myself in people's shoes to some degree. I'll still mm -hmm. need to defer to them for their experiences. I would never project my own into theirs, but I can get a little closer by paying attention to their feelings, not just my own all the time. Mm -hmm. 
that's probably the number one problem in the world. Empathy, putting yourself in somebody else's mm-hmm. shoes. Mm-hmm. Why is there such empathy lacking in the world? You know, it's probably a complex answer to that question. I mean, one is we have ceased to apparently value it. We need to honor it. We need to celebrate it where we see it. In my experience, at least with a lot of the med students or nursing students I get to teach over the years, one thing, and just watching young people in general, my sense, you tell me what you think, is that empathy is something that most of us have. If you happen to be born sociopathic and you don't have the mental hardware to feel the feelings of another person, they can't empathize. But most of us can. And so my point here is that it's something to protect and honor in children, not necessarily something we have to teach so much. It's something that gets kicked out of us. I see it in med students all the time. If like the difference between a first year med student and someone in the end who's awash in hundred hour work weeks and, you know, the empathy starts becoming a hazard. Look, I have Mm. to see 40 patients a day. And if I'm going to be feeling all their feelings, I'm never going to get through the day. And you watch how people start closing down, closing up, scarring down. So my point here is maybe we don't necessarily need to teach empathy so much as protect it as we're growing and going through life. I mean, what do you think of that? Do you you agree? Do you think that looking at your four-year-old, do you feel? Yeah. I mean, he's already getting it. He Mm -hmm. already gets it. Yeah, We were playing with some toys and he said, should I share these? And he set some aside. He didn't know for who, but he know like, I should probably set these aside for somebody. So hopefully he gets that message. But here's the other thing about the way our society is shaped, I think, which the world is built to be so busy. Like, I don't have time to worry about recycling my water bottle. I am Mm -hmm. trying to keep afloat. And so I think the same thing, like when you talk about pain, it's like, we just got a quiet the pain so that we can get into the juicy stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel the same thing. Like, how can we take care of our fellow humanity so -hmm. that we can get to the good stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) of emotions and empathy and compassion and what humanity should be about, which is ultimately love, right? So I don't know. That's a big problem. It is a big one. Because I think our society is designed to be so noisy, just like the pain in your body that you cannot possibly deal with. It's true enough. It's true enough. And it's a real issue that I think, and I think one way forward is to not separate ourselves. I think I'll speak for myself. I know Mm -hmm. that I can get burned out. I think I'm a kind of a softy. I think I've always been a little softy, pretty relatively compassionate kind of guy. Always have been. But I reach my limits. I have dealt with burnout and compassion fatigue, numbness. Absolutely. So one point here is for us to not accidentally sort of set up a false divide. Those jerks over there can't be empathetic. I, I I think we can all get there if we're overwhelmed. And overwhelm's probably a word of our time right now. Even just the simplicity of the signals coming at us through our computers. It's amazing. I can be in touch with someone across the planet. I can be aware of what's happening to billions of people. That's amazing. What's harder is our emotional lives and our moral lives. Those evolve more slowly than our technology. And how do I handle being able to be in touch with thousands or millions of people and their feelings? And how do I square that volume, that load with me just being one little guy? How do I feel all my empathy for all those people? So there's a modern scourge, there's an overlay here that we have a volume of stories we can be in touch with provoking emotions that we don't have the time or the capacity to handle. So it's Mm -hmm. no wonder we're scarred. 
powering down. It's no wonder we're retreating to our camps and getting divided because it seems much more controllable. I can care about my family or my neighborhood or my people. You want me to care about everybody? I don't know how to do that. And so we're mm-hmm. setting up these false lines where half the population's outside and we're always like excluding something, excluding somebody, I think in part to kind of tamp down the load of emotions I've got to handle, I've got to deal mm-hmm. with. Does that make sense? Am I speaking? Yeah, 100%. So it's a modern thing. I, I think, I don't know that we know yet how to handle that volume. I'm pretty sure we don't. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations. Como la playa que viste en ese show or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes, y tienes 19 años o más, 52, 36, 42, Puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. 
cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. One of the things, like I never take things personal, is one of the four agreements. And Don Miguel Ruiz talks about this detachment, like you have to be detached from ego. But sometimes I think people detach from their emotions. What do you think about detaching or disconnecting from your emotions and what tools can I go? Okay, I cannot pay attention to this noise, Mm -hmm. but I am going to recognize the feeling. I mean, how does that work? So I think this is really, really important. And I've seen it, whether it's sort of Zen contemplative communities or medical students, I've seen one way or another how sort of trying to pursue really thoughtfully dealing with life's fullness Um, whether it's through a spiritual or medical lens, sometimes the message sounds like what you're saying is to detach from the feeling, not have the feeling. Therefore, you won't be, you know, upended by it, which I think is a really important, powerful mistake. Like, I think the point here is to feel your feelings. I think the detachment that Don Miguel is talking about, the attachment that I would ever view is really more the word is sort of investment. I'm not invested in whether I get to feel sorrow or feel joy. In other words, I don't have a dog in the race for any one particular outcome or any one particular emotion. So I'm a, a detached from outcome or detached from something specific. I think what we're talking about here is to have a love of life so big and an awareness of reality being so broad that you don't follow any one emotion whipping you around. You have the emotion, but you pause and you reflect on how you want to respond to that emotion, not whether you want to have the emotion. That's really, really important because otherwise we're signing up to go numb. These are huge distinctions. And I see people make the sort of cross those wires a lot in the name of self-care, something really good, not taking things personally. They're basically signed up to not have feelings. Right. And then it goes the other way. You know, you become so numb to like, I'm detached from that negative feeling. Positives fall under that as well. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I think the idea is to like pull the engineer out of your emotions. You're not trying to create an emotional experience. Emotions are powerful because they're a little bit beyond our control. Mm-hmm. I can't be blamed for my emotional response. I can be blamed for what I do with those emotions, how I enact them into the world. But we're innocent before our emotions. So therefore, let's be curious. I shouldn't be ashamed to have X, Y, or Z emotion. No, no, no. That's shame. That's a force for shutting ourselves down, shutting ourselves up, shutting ourselves off to ourselves, there's a great way to pursue the opposite of resilience. Put parts of yourself to sleep, cut yourself off from your emotions. These are things that poach your resilience, not protect your resilience. Mm-hmm. So here's another emotion that I feel is like the buzzword of our generation, which is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Anxiety. I'm anxious. He's anxious. There's anxiety. I have anxiety. I feel like this word is like really at the forefront of 
of any emotions that we have been experiencing? Like, why do you think this is probably the biggest emotion that more than I'm sad or I have fear or it's anxious, I'm anxious, I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. What is this? I think anxiety is this sort of nervous system spasticity almost. It's your nervous system just responding, not being able to sort of tolerate uncertainty, for example, is a big trigger for anxiety. I think, as you've described, the pandemic, we've just been through an existential crisis en masse. What is an existential crisis? It's it's sort of a threat to our existence. But what that really means is how that boils down to the way psychology plays out is it's sort of, it's a crisis of meaning. And so when we as human beings, when the things that used to give us meaning are being shaken, whether it's our institutions or it's religion or something is proving to not be what we thought it was, and it undermines the stability it used to give us. You know, if we used to think that any one institution were rock steady or that the Catholic Church could do no wrong or whatever it is, when something happens, when something goes wrong with those institutional building blocks of our sense of self, of our sense of life, it rocks our access to meaning. What we thought was meaningful maybe isn't. And that is a source of anxiety one way or another for a lot of people. So the anxiety that you're describing is everywhere. And of course it's everywhere because there's mismatch between our daily lives and our spiritual lives. There's a mismatch between our inner and outer selves. There's all these sort of mismatches. And in that mismatch, in that gap comes anxiety. So it is everywhere. It is common and growing more and more common. And it's probably related to fear. It's probably related to depression. These are probably distinct centers in our brain. They all kind of kind of collapse into something called anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so how do we deal with it? Well, I mean, I think of anxiety, so it's a little bit like suffering. It's like, it's like the gap between the world you want and the world you have, you know? So you can close that gap by changing your reality. Or you can close that gap by stop wishing for a reality that you can't have. Those are some of the things that you can kind of do with your mind and revisit how you're seeing yourself in the world. It's how you think. But that's making anxiety out to sound like something that we can simply commandeer with a little frame shift in our minds. Sometimes anxiety has its life of its own. And there's a time and a place for medication. There's a time and a place for meditation. Prayer can help us. Learning to sit with things that we can't change, learning to sit with suffering that we can't affect is a really important skill, I think, for adulthood. And in a sense, that's saying learning how to sit with anxiety. So maybe like we're talking about not so much this detachment, but this disinvestment from the thing that's making us anxious. I, with enough practice, I can be anxious in other things. I can be anxious and happy. I can be anxious and interested. I can be anxious in other things. It doesn't have to whip us around. So like all these difficult emotions, the trick is having them, but keeping them in their place. Having them, but not being just anxious. So if you can learn to lift your gaze and see the world beyond your anxiety, then you can begin to accompany your anxiety, not be whipped around by it. Again, I want to be clear for our listeners, there are generalized anxiety disorders, panic attacks, PTSD, depression, all these are corollaries for anxiety. And sometimes that anxiety is way bigger than any one thing that you or I could do. Sometimes we just need help. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say, just be happy. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. I know. I didn't think of that. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, Okay. Good idea. Thanks. Yeah. Not helpful. So what's a resource that people can use? 
Well, come see us. I mean, without, not to sound too pluggy here, but this is what we do at Metal Health, M-E-T-T-L-E, Metal, like your inner strength, your inner reserve, Metal Health. So metalhealth.com, you can come visit us there. We do these one-hour sessions at a time with folks. We also have free webinars and things like that. There are all sorts of other resources around resiliency. My friends at UCSF, the University of California, San Francisco, the Mary Center, M-E-R-I. If you Google UCSF and the Mary Center, they have some really beautiful public-facing programs around resiliency, poetry, all sorts of beautiful things that go along with living with illness. So those are two resources for you. I also love Frank Ostaseski's book, which kind of touches a little bit on sort of existential anxiety. That's the five invitations, but there are plenty other books out there. Well, this is the, the last question I always ask every guest is, what is a book you recommend? It doesn't even have to be in your field. It could be a novel. I mean, for me, I'm, I go to music. You know, so that's where I, that's my angiolytic. That's how I deal with all sorts of things. That's how I learn. Daily life is really much my teacher and music is the thing that helps me metabolize it. So lately I've been listening to music of Brian Eno, this sort of ambient electronic music that I find very relaxing and very loving and soothing and beautiful. I've been listening to the music of jazz pianist Ahmad Jamal, I think is just wonderful. But a book, my friend Claire Bidwell-Smith has written a bunch of books. One is Anxiety is the Sixth Stage of Grief, I think is the title. Claire Bidwell-Smith writes nicely about grief as well as anxiety. I would go there. And then totally tangent, but it kind of relates in terms of like living fully and living well and feeling alive is so much the antidote for some of life's hardships, including anxiety. So a book called Art as Experience by John Dewey. It's an older book, but Art as Experience is a treatise on aesthetics and how we can kind of feel alive, which like I say, is a pretty good antidote to all sorts of things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Miller, for (laughs) being with us and sharing all of your thoughts. I really appreciate it. I have been such a fan of your work and I'm just Mm. honored that I got to speak with you. Thank you, Eva. I really appreciate being with you. Such a joy talking with you. And again, thanks for doing this. You're going to help a lot of people with this show. Thank you. I hope so. That's the point. We're not going back to normal. We're going forward. Amen, sister. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm happy to be connected with you. Connections with Eva Longoria is a production of Unbelievable Entertainment in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis here. And let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes, y tienes 19 años o más, 52, 36, 42, Puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antinomocósica 20 valente, una 
vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You too. 